No subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Uh, I was just counting it out on my fingers here while the music was playing. It's been eight months, eight long months since we've done a uh, been all of America. Um, I guess the good thing about having annual holiday episodes is you you can't be gone for that long, right? Um, this is uh, this is pro- easily, I would say easily, the most impromptu uh, Rux Giving special that we've ever done. Uh, we'll get into it in a moment, but I'm I'm going to be leaving town on Saturday, and uh, Bruce works uh, as do I, and uh, so essentially, yeah, there was no other. I literally emailed Bruce last night as I was sort of checking off all the things I need to do before I leave uh, on this trip. And I was like, oh, shit, uh, how the fuck am I going to do this Ruxgiving? So then I sent Bruce an email last night and was like, hey, man, we're, we're pretty much down to, like, the last three or four days I can even do this. Bruce wrote back and was like, I can only do tonight, dude, or or while you're uh, away which wasn't going to work. So here we are. So I'm like, honestly, folks, I kind of thought to myself, maybe we should just let it go. Like, this is such a tight squeeze. Um, and I was just like, ah, geez, you know, this is, this is, this is really ramshackle, uh, material. But then, you know, I was like, you know, this is a, this is a holiday tradition and people really look forward to this. And I would hate to disappoint anybody. And, Looking at the uh, on on Facebook and uh, Rich Morley here says thanks Tim and Bruce listening to Rucks Giving is a family tradition in my house. Corey Thornton says and now the holidays officially kick off. Bring on the Rucks. So you know I, I I couldn't let the I couldn't let the tradition die and and so here we are on the twelfth annual Rucks Giving special with the one and only Bruce Rucks. Uh, we'll probably go a little shorter than usual tonight. Looking at like somewhere between an hour and ninety minutes. Um, but it'll still be packed with all the, all the great, uh, all the great Rucks giving stuff, you, you know, and love. And quite frankly, I have a feeling, uh, once Bruce and I get going, we may end up going the, the, the usual two hours anyway. Um, but with all that said, uh, welcome back again, Bruce, for, uh, the big, the big special here. Nice to be here, Tim. 
Well, thank you for being so accommodating, man. Like I said, it was uh, – I'm sure I kind of – I don't know if you were wait, <laughs> waiting to hear from me or what, but um, – yeah, we we kind of we're really pulling this one in right right out of right out of nowhere, as Chris uh, Lococo says uh, on the Banal of America Facebook page. Yeah, we just kind of have to toss it out quick. <laughs> and I was expecting to hear from you any time. I just didn't know we'd be on such a short leash. Uh, we we wouldn't have any time to really do anything. Uh, you just happened to catch me on a week where it was exceptionally busy. I had an awful lot going on. And literally, I'm just squeezing this in. I've been running around like a chicken with his head cut off. I had to get my car repaired over the last couple of days, and I had to get my um, supply run in today because I have to go back to work tomorrow. Uh, I've got kind of overtime for the next week or two. Uh, next week, I was in, in pretty good shape, but we didn't have that luxury. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah we, can, we can manage it in tonight. That's not too much of a problem. Um, but quick, but, yeah, we can manage it. Yeah. So it, it we'll, we'll be fine, and here we are. We're live. The show is happening, so we, we we've got it in the books now. Um, how have you been? It's been a year since we talked. How how's everything in Ruxland? Well, my car died spectacularly on the highway on July 3rd. It threw a rod through the engine block. It was a 22 year old Toyota Camry, which I have very oh, wow. good memories of. Uh, so the car died. I didn't. Everything's fine. I had another car before the end of the week. And uh, I'm still kind of paying that off, and I was getting that fixed today. Like I said, I needed some brake work. That's my uh, inauguration of the first repairs on the new used car. But it's a great car. It's a lot better than the other one, and uh, it's actually in very good shape. They looked it over twice thoroughly. So I'm happy with it. I'm managing pretty well. Yeah. That was uh, my big news. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, or like it matters, but, yeah, uh, my car died. It, it was a bit of a nuisance for a while. They're getting everything back in shape. And as a matter of fact, if, if I want to try and sell it for parts, I have to get it out of impound. And it's probably not worth it. Uh, it was already a salvage vehicle as was, but I kept it running for 22 years, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, Toyotas are a fantastic car. I had a Toyota myself. I quite, I quite enjoyed it. And uh, but I, I had a lease. And then when I went to go and re- ostensibly buy the car uh, at the conclusion of the lease, the Toyota people were real fucking assholes, kind of played a lot of games and shit. Um, I hate, like, yeah, car salesmen, all that shit, you know? So it was like... Oh, yeah. They uh, First, they're like, yeah, you can... All right, you decide we fill all the shit and give us this money, and you can leave now with it. Um you know, you'll own, you know, you'll own it now, and you'll be just pay off, pay it as a as a purchase or whatever. And then, then like, then they play, then they were like, no, you can't do that. After I signed the check and everything, then a second guy comes along and he's like, no, 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 it's gonna be like two weeks until da 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 and all this shit. And it was like, ah, yeah, I don't know, man, this sounds some sound, this sounds all shady and shit. So it was like, <laughs> you know what? Uh, you can keep the fucking car. Uh, so, so I just went and got a a different car. <laughs> started a new lease somewhere else but yeah well that's good toyota's but uh, yeah so so yeah so woburn toyota anyone in the <laughs> in the massachusetts area i do not recommend woburn toyota but toyota as a company car wise fantastic i i miss my toyota all the time so yeah i, 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 I kind of miss mine i got a kia it's a 2011 kia which is it's just as old as my toyota was when i got it 
And I kept that one running for 11 years. Uh, after I got it, I'll keep this one running for 11 years easy, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, it's got decent money on it. It's an excellent car to Kia Ford, and uh, I'm quite pleased with it. Excellent, excellent. Um, so has anything uh, of the paranormal variety uh, tickled your fancy in the last year since we talked? Actually, I've been doing a lot of research on Skinwalker Ranch. I know that came up like last year or the year before. I'm not sure if we talked about it, but I know that uh, it's been a big time. It's had a renaissance in the last few years. It's like a national story. So, uh, yeah, yeah, talk about what's piqued your fancy or tickled your fancy, piqued your interest about this. Well, what piqued my interest about it initially, they made a reality show out of it. I'm trying to remember the name of the um, billionaire that's bought it from Bigelow. Uh, uh, I can't think of his Fugle. name. What's his name? Brendan Fugel, I think. Something like that. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he turned it into a reality show, which yeah. I watched. Like on the History Channel, I think it is. One of them. Yeah. Anyway, it, 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 available in my package. I thought, okay, this should be entertaining. So I watched that, and all kinds of weird shit took place. And I, I kind of was acutely aware that there's a show going on here. And uh, I'm not sure exactly where the Wizard of Oz is behind the curtain, but I know he's there. So I did a lot of research because there's a tremendous amount on Skinwalker Ranch on YouTube, actually. And uh, I sort of did deep dives and watched hours of different commentaries and histories on Skinwalker Ranch. Uh, Skinwalker Ranch is a dog and pony show. And Fugle is... Making a profit off it, really. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what all he's doing, but it's pretty much a carnival show. Uh, it was under Bigelow, too, only Bigelow really wasn't getting any kind of results. Uh, this all goes straight into ATIP, you know, AATIP, the whole uh, government, supposed government UFO research thing that's been going on the last few years under um, Harry Reid. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> ADIP was actually connected directly to Skinwalker Ranch. That was something else that got me back into that, because I, I see all kinds of pieces on ADIP, and, of course, Luis Elizondo pops up everywhere. And Luis Elizondo I've always known as a con man. I didn't have the proof in hand, but I've always known he was a con man. And, yeah, he's a con man. In fact, ADIP consists of only one person, Luis Elizondo. <laughs> When he said he headed the government thing, uh, not exactly. He was the only member of the government thing. Uh, he did actually work at the Pentagon, and he was kind of the front man for what was really taking place. I think it was called OSAP. And OSAP is Kinwalker Ranch. This is the thing that Harry Reid actually set up. And they were studying everything loosely involved with the paranormal. The way they got that sold and got funding for it out of the Pentagon was by selling it as uh, as, uh, creating advanced technology for aircraft and such. And they worded it all very, very well. And they knew exactly what they were doing because what they were doing had nothing to do with any of that. They just were looking into ghosts and hobgoblins and all this other nonsense taking place. And they were involved with a whole lot of very squirrely people. Uh, They had quite a few good people in the beginning, uh, I mean, Jacques Vallée was part of it. Uh, who's his face? And um, uh, I think Yuri Geller, or the guy who, no, the guy who was with Yuri Geller. Uh, Al Budoff? 
Yeah, Kudov. Now, yeah. Kudov was part of it. Galay was part of it. They had they had a few good names uh, with credentials who were staying at Skinwalker Ranch when they first started this thing up. Problem was, nothing happened. Uh, you know, they were giving regular reports, and, well, the report is nothing has happened. You know, they've got the EMF readers and all this other stuff going on, and they've got cameras and surveillance stuff, and nothing's happening. And that goes on for, like, two years. Nothing happening. <laughs> I don't know how familiar anyone is with the history of Skinwalker Ranch. It had been owned, <coughs> excuse me, for, um, I'm trying to remember how many years now, 30, 40 years by this one family. He never reported anything unusual about it at all. They were just farm setters, and that was their farm. They sell it to a, a couple. That couple has it for two years, and from the time that they move in, uh, every kind of crazy thing is going on at that ranch. UFOs are here. we got cattle mutilations. we got this, that, and the other thing. Ghosts are running around. we got hobgoblins. And it was making the news because they just wouldn't shut up about it. It was an Amityville horror type situation. You know? mm-hmm. So... It made the media, and that's what caught Bigelow's attention. And Bigelow didn't apparently do very good due diligence because, you know, 40, 50 years this other family's been there, not a damn thing reported. This new family moves in, oh, my God, it's the, the most incredible thing going on, just everything, name it, it's happening here. And he buys it from them, and it's right back to nothing's happening again because nothing ever was happening there. This couple that moved in, took it over, made a killing on it by selling it to Bigelow. <laughs> <laughs> Which by yeah. valuing it up as a big occult hotspot. So sure enough, nothing goes on the entire time that Bigelow has this ranch, and he had it for years. Uh, but while that was taking place, AFIP was the front organization, and by front organization I mean Louis Elizondo was the point man for anyone that was paying attention to what was actually going on. He was the blind between the funding and uh, OSAP, or Skinwalker Ranch. So if anyone started looking into that, they would go to ADIP instead of OSAP. OSAP was being funded by the Pentagon, and the Pentagon didn't really know what they were funding with OSAP. Uh, when the Pentagon found out, and the way they found out was because since nothing was happening at Skinwalker Ranch, the people that were there, Bigelow wanted something to be happening, and they knew that, you know, this is the guy that signs their paycheck. So they invented a hell of a lot of shit. And that's where we got uh, werewolves, UFOs, cattle mutilations, uh, troglodytes tunneling up from underneath. They had a, uh, like a were-rabbit. Or what, what is this? I think it looked like a steak. Oh, it was a beaver. <laughs> they had a beaver dinosaur. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of this. <laughs> I, I'm familiar with this whole story. I, I, obviously, I, I assume some of the listeners aren't. And uh, I will caution you that I'm sure... I don't know. This is a sordid, complicated, complex story that I'm sure people will be like, "Well, really, it was this and that and the other thing." So, so we. But I, 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 I will. I'm deferring to you to recount the story as best you've researched it, because um, I've only scratched the surface. I only know the basic skeleton of this story because at some point my eyes kind of gloss over and I'm like. Oh, all right. This doesn't have anything to do <laughs> with That with, was where like, I was at. I was in the exact same spot. I mean, I, I didn't know exactly where to go to get information. This is one of those circumstances where YouTube actually is an excellent source because there are some very good researchers on there. And uh, I've been able to kind of parse out which ones are good. I can separate the shit from the candy on the YouTube guys. 
Yeah. And they go into extreme detail on the history of all this. They they track it down and nail it down and get the names, dates, and places. Yeah. So, sure enough, these guys are just inventing stuff to keep Bigelow happy because Bigelow never goes out there. He just, you know, reads a report that comes in every week. And so, oh, hey, we got all kinds of great stuff going on. Fantastic. Well, we'll keep funding that then. But there wasn't really anything happening. Now, eventually, Bigelow figured out that he was being snowed, and... And by that time, he was ready to unload it. And that's when, who's his name? What's the other guy's name? Fugel, I think. Yeah, Fugel. Fugel, yeah. Fugel. I think it's Fugel. It's Fugel. Uh, it's definitely Fugel. He... I want to say, I, I I say Frugel, but it's definitely not Frugel. Uh, but I, it, I think it's like a Freudian slip because he spent all that money on because yeah. he, he bought Skinwalker Ranch. So it's like some kind of like... Uh, Mental thing, but it, yeah, it's Fugel. It's Fugel, Brendan Fugel. I, I, I've seen him on Twitter, but I, I don't know him. Right. Uh, well, he actually has a like hour-long presentation on YouTube where he meets with a friend of his who's one of these researchers. They happen yeah. to know each other. They went to school together. And he's got like this hour-long promo thing where this friend of his comes to meet him in Utah, and they get together, and he flies him out in a helicopter, and shows him the ranch, and he's given him the history and all this other kind of stuff. So that's actually Fugel himself and one of the researchers. And at the end of the hour, all that's really happened is, okay, this is the Skinwalker Ranch. These are the stories associated with it. And Fugel has thrown the gates open to it, basically. Uh, it's no longer like a private uh, reserve. It's, the gates are just open. People can wander in and out. Uh, I don't know about that. No, I don't. I don't think anyone can just go out and show up. Well, he was doing that for a while because he was actually up on YouTube showing it. All right, all right. Yeah. I'll. I'll <laughs> I don't, I'm only going to interject, Bruce, if I if I if I think I if, oh, if, if I. <laughs> but funny. I don't think you can. I my understanding is they're like super anal about fucking. They don't, especially now. Maybe there was a period. There, maybe there was a period there between when Bigelow sold it and Fugel bought it before he did anything with it that people could kind of just show up. But as far as I know, it was always a place like Area 51, almost worse, because it's like there were people, you know, there were whacking hut types to guard it that, you know, yeah. they're not even well, constrained fact, necessarily yeah. by by any sort of legalities uh, necessarily. You know, I don't even know if that, you know. I don't want to get sued or whatever, but you know what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. This this would have been earlier on. So, yeah, it's entirely possible that he went back to locking it down. Uh, One of the things that got me back into researching this, this was several months ago, probably like eight, ten months ago. Uh, I came across just randomly surfing. I was doing basic research, and I came across this guy who had worked security at Kinwalker Ranch. And I'm pretty sure that would have been when Fugel was there. I don't remember now because it was so many months ago. Um, But he was the guy that set up their security for them. And he was like an ex-ranger, and he'd done stuff for the government. He'd set up all kinds of things. He's a very – he's a top guy with the best possible equipment and the best kind of knowledge. Uh, The problem was once he set up all the security, he wasn't even allowed to check his own stuff. He was kind of kept away from it. And what he noticed was he, he went on for, like, pages of an interview. Somebody interviewed him. I think it was on the radio show, something like this maybe. And mm-hmm. I read a transcript of it. And I was Bruce, there's nothing, the guy's Bruce, Bruce, there's nothing like this. <laughs> what now? 
I said, I said, Bruce, there's nothing like this. But anyway, God doesn't have to be an asshole. All right, yeah, so he did an interview, and what happened? What did he say? Oh, okay. Well, uh, did he see things? Yes, as a matter of fact, he did see things. Uh, but everything that he saw was under very suspicious circumstances. First off, he was kind of steered in the direction ahead of time, and then he might see what might have been a big wolf or a werewolf or some guy in a big furry coat. It was at a distance, and he knew exactly where it was at, and you know, then it you know, ran out of view and he couldn't see it. So he said, well, I'll just check the cameras. That's easy enough. But he goes to check the cameras, and he can't access his own cameras. They won't let him look at his own stuff. So he's always had everything. All right, sure. And uh, they would invite him, say, to seances, saying, we're having a seance tonight. Why don't you come by? Have a look. Saying, okay, fine. And just be an observer. So he comes to be an observer. And they have a little seance, and there are some strange knocks in the woodwork. And he's there, and he hears the knocks, too, and all this. Uh, so he's making mental notes, and he's saying, well, I'm going to check this area and see what's there. And they would never let him check the areas where he heard the knocks. <laughs> Plainly, he was just thinking, all right, there's something hinky here. So it, he just quit. After enough of that, he just quit. He said, you got the, you guys have the cameras. You're doing everything on your own anyway. But his opinion was, this is a big dog and pony show, and they want me here as a professional witness to help spread the legend of Skinwalker Ranch. But whatever it is, they're just steering him to and from. You know, they're, they're setting all of this up. Uh, and that was the impression that he had, which also is the impression that I have going through the history of Skinwalker Ranch and everything that's set up. When you see this reality show that Fugle has set up, you know, he'll bring some uh, noted ghostbuster or psychic in. And, in fact, I think this is the last thing I saw of that. This would have been over a year ago or about a year ago. Uh, this guy goes into uh, some farmhouse or a barn or something. I don't remember what. It's on the property. And sure enough, he hears some sound, and we're picking up the sound. He's got a microphone in there, the cameras are on him. And then it's like watching one of those Ghostbusters shows. It's like, what was that? Yeah. that? What was that? And the whole thing is like that. And you will see some stuff like uh, they do have what looks like a UFO, just pew, you know, taking off and moving around and dipping all over the place. But but it's a moth. Uh, not sure what that could be. <laughs> the one thing is, what now? I said, but it's a moth. Oh, no, it's not a moth. <laughs> All right. You know what yeah, I'm saying. Whatever it, was, a... whatever it was, it looked impressive. I'll give it that. Um, okay. But one thing that has to be taken into account is this guy is connected with the defense industry the same way that Bigelow was. And there might be some test, uh, some kind of aircraft being tested out there, or maybe he's arranged for that to happen at this time. point is, anything that's taking place, it comes off like it's some kind of dog and pony show, not the least of reason of which is that, you know, he's made a reality show out of it for crying out loud. Right, um, right. He, it's like, well, if you're actually doing serious research, why are you ballyhooing it like this? And the way the Pentagon first found out about this when Bigelow was involved in it was that some of these guys that were making shit up for Bigelow wrote a book. And they put this book out with sketches. They didn't have any photographs of anything. They had no proof of anything. They had no footnotes. They had nothing. They're just doing sketches of this beaver dinosaur and werewolves and whatever the hell else is there and coming up with all these stories and saying, wow, you know, but, uh, none of us thought to take a picture of it. <laughs> we had our cameras with us. But, wow, we were just so startled we didn't take a picture of it several times. 
And the Pentagon got a hold of a copy of this book, which was the first time that they had any idea what the hell was going on with their funding. So once they knew, they got their heads together really quick and said, this is a major embarrassment. They, they talked to these guys and said, look, you're supposed to be experimenting on technology and coming up with advanced technology for us for airplanes and, and jets. What have you got? And, of course, they didn't have anything because they hadn't done any of that. They weren't even remotely connected to anything like that. The only thing that was remotely connected to that was ATIS, which was only Luis Elizondo. He's one of the guys just working in the Pentagon with them. But it's like, wait, you are the front man for this thing, and you're supposedly our UFO research guy, and these guys are siphoning all kinds of money off of us and doing bullshit. They're doing voodoo bullshit. So they pulled the funding. They just said, no, we're not doing this anymore. And that's when, of course, Bigelow lost interest, and he sold it, and Brandon Fugel picked it up, and now, guess what? Circus is back in town. So yeah, that's, uh, I, uh, that's uh, all right. So, you sound like you've done a lot of research on this. Yes, <laughs> hours of it. I mean, I've been. Right. I'd say about four or five different researchers talking about it, and each of them going on for uh, anywhere from a half hour to an hour each. And yeah, I'm familiar with. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with all all this. It's an interesting, <clears throat> you know. I, it's sad and frustrating in a way, and it's just kind of, to me, it's just like, at some point, it's just like, oh, okay, then we can just forget about this. It's all kind of, you know, it's a, it's silliness. <laughs> yeah, that's um, silliness. It's a circus. It's a circus. Yeah, it really it's is. It's like with this whole thing that happened in the last few years with the UFOs and all that, and UA, how they call them UAPs now and everything, and have never gotten on board with any of the, um, you know, that this has anything to do with whatever is what we would call the classic UFO phenomenon, or for lack of a better term, the aliens, you know. So it's right. like, uh, so it's very confounding and frustrating for me as someone who's part of the old UFO community or, you know, an observer of that community. I never consider myself really a part of it. Um, but certainly that was one my one of my top two main areas of interest. It's like this is completely not not at all what ufology was even, you know, five years ago before all this exploded. So, and it's like yeah. it, it, you, uh, the whole thing was supposed to be trying to figure this thing out. And now it's kind of not. It's gone down a, a weird turn where it's just like they're just kind of demanding the answers and shit from from uh, the government. The, the, there's no – it feels less like there are actually people out there trying to figure this out on their own as opposed to people who are just sort of like insisting that the, the government must know already and so therefore just give us the answers already. And to me it's like I'm just burned out in a way from all of it because it's like if you've been in this for as long as I have and you've been in this for a long time, it's like – We've seen this a million times, and it's, yeah. it's like I just get so tired of like stories, secondhand stories, claims of inside knowledge that that people can't share. Sort of like, oh, if you knew what I knew, you'd fucking know. You'd be you you'd think differently about this. And it's like enough already with all that. Like enough. Like my thing is just, and it's crass, but it's sort of become a catchphrase. But 
It's just show me the fucking aliens. Just show me the yeah. fucking aliens. I'm tired <laughs> of hearing about. I'm tired of hearing about the aliens. If you if you if you know where the aliens are, if you have proof of the aliens, show me the fucking aliens, or just like shut up, because I'm just tired yeah. of hearing like these stories. You know what I mean? Well, and you've got to know, too. I mean, Luis Elizondo is the point man for all this bullshit, and we know that that's exactly what he is. He's the point man for all this bullshit. And ATIP doesn't even exist. He is ATIP. And he was set up to be the, the filter. You know, if anyone started paying attention to what was going on, he was like the, the gatekeeper. So him playing the role of being, well, yeah, I was in charge of this special Pentagon project. No. He was the blind to a Pentagon siphoning project that was something entirely different. And this is the same guy who now is, you know, picked up all over the place as some kind of expert on UFOs, and he is one of the point guys for Tom DeLong, uh, along with Brendan Fugel. You know, we're starting to see, you know, hail, hail, the gang's all here. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got all the barkers in one spot, and this is their latest mark. So, and, and, you know, through the Stars Academy, is kind of collapsing all the factors of disappearing. Yeah, again, I don't think Tom DeLong's involved in all that anymore, but I, I don't, you know, I don't really know. I, you know, I don't, uh, do you follow what the government's doing? Like, fuck, fuck all that noise. I, to me, I don't really, <laughs> it's just, it's just goofiness. What do you think the government's doing? You think they've just kind of been forced into having a forward stance on this to, deal with it because of all the talk about UFOs? Well, this is the type of thing that helps them squelch it. Uh, when the news came out about uh, the Tic Tac UFOs and all that, that was a bit of squirrely business, too. Uh, basically, they kind of put the story out as a bluff, almost, and it took. And amazingly, the Pentagon admitted to it. You know, that that was when they got the pay dirt, because they actually didn't have that much evidence when they went forward with it. The New York Times went with it. They were kind of going on say-so. But once the Pentagon officially acknowledged it, we were in an entirely new territory. We've got 60 minutes right. doing pieces on UFOs, and they're doing actual pieces on UFOs. So they did kind of manage to push the gates open a bit. But the mere fact that you've got these Carnival Sideshow barkers like Luis Elizondo and Brendan Fugel pushing their reality show and their nonsense makes for an excellent screen. Uh, they can put out any, anything they want, and what's going to happen is exactly what's happening right now. We're talking about the bullshit. And once you start talking about the oh, bullshit... Yes, I am. I'm talking about the bullshit. <laughs> Admittedly, I'm talking about the bullshit. I'm trying to so, get into this on the Right, right. So they put on the bullshit show, and that helps them cover the real thing when it gets to it. Because what did we get out of the Pentagon when they did their big report? Uh, you got senators saying, hey, we want to report on this shit. And they put out nine pages of stuff that says, oh, well, we've got some stuff, and we examine it, and we don't know where it's from, and uh, that's what we know. Have a nice day. It's the same BS that they've always come up with. And in the meantime, they've got the ballyhoo that they can always point to, the same way that they do for the Phoenix Lights, and you've got some guy coming out in an alien costume. You yeah. just get everybody laughing at it, and no one's paying serious attention to it anymore. It's a deflection. So I think that's primarily what the government's been doing, and that's what they've done from the start with all of this, and certainly since the Robertson panel in 1953. 
I mean, they they came right out and said, ridicule it, you know, make it ridiculous so people won't pay attention to it. And it worked. So they keep doing it. Yeah. What I they're supposed they delivered a report on Halloween to Congress, uh, but it hasn't been. There's supposed to be a public release of, of some of it, but they haven't fucking released it yet. Um, they'll probably do it while on vacation, of course. Um, but they uh, the deal was that. They said that, like, most of it's Chinese technology and space trash, but then that was what got leaked. And then there was some dispute that, like, it was 50% that that only half of them they could figure that out with, something like that. So there's a lot of – a second person came out and said that uh, anonymously. So it's very – I'm waiting on the fucking report because I can't – you know, it's – and from what I understand, they do – they have – the Pentagon says that they figured out what the what the famous videos are like. Um, you know, they're not aliens. Yeah. Well, look in the look up the New York Times article that came out on Halloween about it. You'll see the you'll see uh, they they have the explanation in there. But um, yeah, so that's kind of probably where things are at right now. Um, you know. I do think part of me thinks just based on watching the hearing and everything that it just seemed like maybe they the government, the military or whatever, they like really didn't want to have to deal with this shit and they're trying to they're trying to walk a fine line of like uh catering to Congress who isn't really in the loop about this and is probably being told a bunch of shit by activists. Um and they're, I think they're just kind of like, look, there's really, look, it's really not aliens, dude. It's like really not. We we can't really tell you what it is. We can assure you it's not aliens. And so they kind of kind of have to kind of toe that line. That's my take, you know. Well, one uh, thing that did happen with this, I'm trying to think of the name of the senator who's um, pushing for the reports and all that. I can't remember. Well, I just want to say one thing, Bruce, because this is important because the yeah. the military yeah. is. Looking, the government is looking at specific instances of just our planes encountering shit right now. So it's not right. for the people who are like, well, the you know, there's some operation or whatever. It's like, or or they're covering it up or whatever. It's like they're only look, they're only looking at shit that's happening right now. So it's like there there was during the hearings there was a bunch of shit about like nuclear. Installations and UFOs, the old stories we've heard from like 30, 40 years right. ago. And it was like, that's not, that's not what they're doing. That just showed how out of touch the fucking, the, the congressman was. It's like this guy, they're, they're like, they're like exterminators. They're trying to take care of the current infestation of whatever these things are. They're not fucking worried about shit that happened 40 years ago that has no, bearing on right now and if there were fucking ufos flying around nuclear installations right now a they wouldn't tell us and b they'd be very concerned about it i'm sure well that uh, that's what i was going to jump in on uh as a matter of fact that particular senator is aware of those nuclear sabotage incidents and has brought them up uh he is actually he's pushing for more funding for an actual uh ufo research unit uh, not osap not atip uh, because there are UFOs that plainly are a threat or at least a concern to national security, and he does bring up the nuclear sabotage incidents. So it has kind of revived a bit of that. 
And, I mean, he, he's going public saying this. He doesn't go into great detail. He just says, yes, there are instances where we can't identify these things, and they are performing nuclear sabotage, and they are a, they're a concern. They're a national defense concern. So it's kind of reopened a lot of those old floodgates. Now, how far any of that's going to go, that's another question, because even at that point, they'll still do everything behind closed doors. And I'm sure they always have done things behind closed doors, just with, you know, a small uh, select committee so that they can say, yes, the representative republic is here, and they are aware of the research going on. They just don't talk about it. Yeah, and well, well I don't necessarily believe that there's I – th- I think the reference to the nuclear stuff is still – 40 years ago. So to me, it's just like, uh, you know, it's not of concern, I guess, in a sense, if that makes any sense. Like, it seems kind of foolish to, for them to pursue that. Uh, like I said, the military is just trying to figure out what these things are right now. I guess if, if what they need to do is, is fucking, like, just cut to the chase and, and adopt the banal approach and say, show me the fucking aliens. Like, we want you to find (laughs) – we think this is being caused by aliens. So, you know, pursue the alien approach. And they can't fucking do that because people would get all freaked out, I'm sure. So it's uh, kind of a catch-22, you know what I mean? So – and I don't think – I guess the problem here is like what I'm trying to say is that it's a limited – Scope, like if they're only looking at incidents where these things are encountering our airplanes, that's like that doesn't include fucking you and me. If I saw something like, if I videotaped a fucking crazy, if a UFO land in my backyard right now and I caught it on video, like crystal clear, like they wouldn't fucking do anything with it. That's because that's not under the purview of their assignment. They won't do anything with it publicly. Uh, one piece that I, I did some research on Voronezh, in, uh, that was a 1989 case in, in 1992. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of UFO activity around Voronezh, mm-hmm. and the guy that started actually collecting the information on that and not poo-pooing it, it was international news quite a few times, but the guy who was actually collecting that information for the government was one of their top intelligence guys. So they handle it the same way that we do. If you saw something in your backyard and they thought you actually did see something in your backyard, they'd get the report anyway, even if they weren't sure. And right. then they'd determine I, whether or not they thought it was <laughs> accurate. And if they thought it was accurate, they'd file it in a different file than if it was inaccurate. But that's what the NSA does. Uh, the NSA does keep track of those things, and so do various intelligence agencies in the government. They always have. Right. So no one's ever going to hear about it. It's all going to stay behind closed doors, but they do do exactly. it. Exactly. I, what a, yeah, I think we're I think we're on the same page here. I'm just trying. I guess I'm trying to delineate, I suppose, for the audience, and because you see a lot of misconceptions like in the media and shit, where it's like, oh, the government's studying UFOs. It's like, no, they're only st- <laughs> they're only studying instances wherein our fucking planes encounter UFOs over the last four years. That's it. Well, those are the only things so, they'll publicize, and the only reason yes, they will publicize uh, yes. those is because right. those those the news barrier. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, I don't mean to split hairs. Of course there's other people in the government. Of course somebody in the fucking government would want to see your crystal clear UFO video, but it's like the, the people who are responsible for reporting on this shit in the government, 
the military part of it, the UAP task force or whatever, they're not going to do anything. It has nothing to do. It's a completely separate thing. And they will mostly be another Project Blue Book for the most part. That's my guess anyway. In other words, they'll, they'll just debunk them. Possibly. And in that instance, then that would be a situation where you it would open it up to the public and people's own experiences and encounters and shit. You know, so right. I mean, it's I I guess I, I guess I'm frustrated in a sense. I'm sorry if I sound argumentative or something or, or ornery, um, but it's just the the machinations of all this make me very irritated. Like the I'm sure you saw that NASA <laughs> NASA has launched a now if you look at the headlines, it's like NASA has launched a UFO. You know, NASA's studying UFOs, right? But the whole right. fucking project is like a panel of, like, no, no, you know, first-class experts and shit, like really top-notch people. But their fucking, their directive is to look at all the fucking UFO data they can and then recommend how to get better data. Not and fucking say what these things are, not, like, not figure out what the fucking things are, just to say, okay, we, we we've looked at... You know, we've looked at all your kids' drawings, and here's how he can be a better artist. Like, that's <laughs> that's pretty much yeah. all that's going to come out of it. And then, you know, it may end up being a big fucking fart when it comes out next year, and the media goes, oh, NASA couldn't figure out UFOs. It's like, that's not, that's not what they're assigned to do. No, they're assigned to debunk. And, yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what they are going to do. Um there was a, oh yeah, there was a, a bit of footage. I don't know if you ever saw this or not. I came across it by accident. It was one of Elon Musk's uh, SpaceX launches, and I want to say it was about three, four years ago. Uh, the thing blew up on launch, and right behind it, in the distance, unmistakably, a UFO streak spot. You can see it in like three frames. It moves so fast, but you can't miss it. It's like it shoots right by right as the thing explodes. That's in the background, and, I mean, you don't have to really look hard to see it, except that it does streak by so fast. And if you slow it down, sure enough, you can see it, boom, boom, boom. Right. Uh, But you can see it even without slowing it down. And, yes, that kind of makes news. They'll say, oh, well, yeah, the uh, thing exploded, and then someone happens to notice the UFO in the background. And they'll say, well, yeah, there was some kind of film anomaly or something was there, we don't know. And that's it. You don't hear anything more. But, yeah, plainly they saw it. Plainly they do. Plainly they're doing something about it. Uh, or doing whatever they can about it, which is precious little, I'm sure. But the point is, yeah. the stuff does get out. I mean, people do see it. And, yeah, they'll comment on that. And they'll come up with whatever debunking they have to to debunk it. But, yeah, it's there for anyone who wants to see it. Have you ever looked at Mothman? Oh, hell yeah. What do you think yeah, of Mothman? I was in Point Pleasant uh, about uh, six weeks ago, two months ago now, actually. So, but uh, what, what are your? And we're going to definitely go over an hour, dude. Can you handle that? Or you're good with that? I oh, can yeah. do it because yeah. well, I'm here as long as you want to be here. As long you as you can handle being here, you dragged me through this horrifying trip through the UFO world, Bruce. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I will. I got This is not. This is not on you. It's just yeah. It's like. It, it's funny, over the last few years, it's just been like my least favorite sort of topic just because it's gotten to be such a 
a soap opera that has so little to do with actually the other, the aliens. You know, it's right. like this is a crazy soap opera that has nothing to do with with what got us into this, which is like these weird fucking things. Um, so, well, let's talk about something weird. We'll we'll uh, see, folks. I've been this is I've been doing this for long enough. I know how to craft a segue. We so we'll talk about something weird, and we'll talk about Mothman. As I said, I was there in Point Pleasant a couple months ago. I quite enjoyed the visit. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts on Mothman? Well, just for starters, I would love to go to one of those conventions. That's a that's a major moneymaker for them. It's like Roswell in New Mexico. You know, they get the conventions, they get people coming in. And it doesn't matter whether people believe in it or not, because it, it's all ancient history to most of them. But some people alive still remember it, and they still talk about it. And of course, they well, I'll let you. Kind of I'll let you in on a little really, secret, Bruce. The, yes. Yeah. We we went actually. We went the weekend before the festival, and it was. I highly recommend people do that because we saw pictures of the festival the following weekend, and it was like a football field deep of people trying to line, trying to get to see the fucking statue that's in the middle of town. And when we were there the weekend before, there was no one there. And we could just hang out at the statue all fucking day. And and this was like you had to wait in line probably for an hour at least to get a fucking picture with the statue. It was crazy. Yeah. So it's a very small town. You can barely get around. I. I wouldn't recommend right. going during the festival. But anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, go on. If you want to find uh, the good documentaries, there are a couple of excellent documentaries on YouTube about Mothman. They go into great detail. And their information is completely accurate. I know because I've done a lot of research on this myself. Um, one of them, I think, is, is an older documentary that finally kind of got released or finally got put on YouTube because I'd looked for it for years and couldn't find it. Uh, Mothman popped up in 1966-67 in Point Pleasant, uh, West Virginia, and neighboring Ohio, for those who are unfamiliar with Mothman. Uh, he was described as a very tall humanoid with uh, eyes that seemed to be almost literally set into his chest. It was like he didn't even have a head, uh, with these enormous red eyes. And he had wings that would unfold to a pretty good breadth, kind of like 15 feet or something. And he never used, he, they didn't flap. He would lift up vertically into the air, and then he'd glide along on those wings. And he could easily pace cars going 80, 90 miles an hour, because he did that a few times, because people would flee from him when they saw him. And he's a pretty scary sight. And some people, of course, saw him right up close and personal, and uh, had missing time experiences. This is one of the first times that Missing Time actually became part of the narrative, uh, or the first time that it was noted as being part of the narrative. Uh, he, ha- he especially haunted Lover's Lanes and the McClintic uh, Wildlife Preserve. The McClintic Wildlife Preserve is a bunch of empty TNT storage sheds from World War II. Yes. There's tunnels underneath them. And what those tunnels actually contain, they may be abandoned, but they actually contain plutonium nuclear triggers for our missiles, which, of course, is extremely important given that UFOs are, are constantly involved in nuclear sabotage. So that's that would have been why he was at the Where did you hear they have tunnels under them? 
Oh, you can find that in any documentary. As a matter of fact, I think it. Um, I think even John Keel talks about it in Mothman Prophecy. All right, I'd have to ask around because we were there at the at the at the TNT area. And there, there didn't there weren't any indication of tunnels, but uh, okay, I guess you wouldn't yeah, probably, know if there. <laughs> they probably closed them up right now. Uh, but at the time, that was being used to store plutonium nuclear triggers uh, for our nuclear missiles. So, of course, that would be a major area that the Mothman would be in. Uh, and the Lover's Lanes, that's pretty self-explanatory. you got a lot of guys, a lot of people having missing time. Uh, they got the breeding stuff going on, too. So where else would they be hanging out? Uh, the, at the same time, there were flying saucers reported following um, Red Cross bloodmobiles and a lot of UFO sightings around elementary schools, interestingly enough. Uh, so there was quite the UFO flap that was taking place for several months in Ohio and West Virginia, right in the Point Pleasant area. Uh, at the end of all that, uh, toward the tail end of the majority of sightings, uh, their main bridge, the Silver Bridge, collapsed. Uh, and Keel tried to make a, a connection between that and Mothman, that there was some sort of connection between them. I think that he failed to make that connection personally, uh, but it is of note. I mean, it's worth noting that that did happen. And, of course, if you see the movie The Mothman Prophecies, that's figured right into it because it came right from Keel's book. Um, but anyway, that's Mothman. Well, what do you uh, think it was, though? I think it was a robot. I think it's a robot probe. I think the Greys are robot probes. I think Mothman's a robot probe. I think most of the entities reported coming off of UFOs are robot probes. In fact, uh, there were a bunch of people who went out on safari to try and find Mothman back in 66-67, and they were hanging around the McClintic Preserve because that's where he was showing up. And sure enough, they're inside one of these, like, they're corrugated steel. Um, they're inside one of these shacks, and they can hear this metallic sound on top of the shack moving around. Uh, one of their dogs was outside. It, it was found smashed flat. And uh, the thing, when it took off, uh, one person reported it made a strange squeaky sound that he equated with a squeaky fan belt as it flew overhead. And I just kind of laugh at that, and I say, well, it's because it was a squeaky fan belt. <laughs> yeah. I think the thing is it's just an automaton. It's excuse doing me, what all UFO me, occupants do. It's involved in doing what all UFO occupants do. It, it abducts people, and you have the missing time. And you get the breeding project going on, and it's busy involved uh, with our nuclear development. It's, it's where our nuclear storehouse is. So, yeah, I just think it's one more uh, artificial UFO occupant. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in agreement, I think, in a sense with you because – I've done a lot of thinking about it, and in recent years, a uh, conversation with my friend Ren Collier kind of lit the light bulb off on this. And I, it's been talked about, I'm sure, in many places, but it's one of those things where you kind of just don't consider the illogic nature of illogical nature of uh, of all this um, until you kind of stop for a minute. And it's like, if a being, the, just the, the change in gravity would fuck up like a living being if it just got out of a spaceship and started walking around on Earth. Like, it doesn't have one-to-one gravity, I would assume. Although, you know, who knows, right? I'm sure they're, I'm sure, I guess, they can travel all the way here, they can figure that out. But to me... It doesn't have arms. It It doesn't have digits. What is it operating controls with? 
And this is, it's not just Mothman, it's all these UFO occupants. UFO occupants all fall into exactly two categories, plainly human or plainly not. And the ones that fall into the plainly not category are all biologically absurd. I mean, like Mothman doesn't appear to even have a head. He's got these eyes that are sort of embedded in the top of his chest. And uh, he's got these wings that don't even flap. He just kind of glides along on them and levitates up into the air. And he sounds metallic and like he's got a squeaky fan when he flies into that. Uh, well, just because he's artificial. The thing is artificial. What's your Thanksgiving song? Oh, no, 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 Hell, no. The cranberry sauce. We're having mashed potatoes. Oh, the turkey looks great. Lynn. Thank you for loving me. Lynn. Thank you for being there. Oh, God. Everyone's thanking. Lynn. The whole world's thanking you. Stop. Thanking Lynn. us for thanking Stop. you. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Hell, the cranberry sauce. We're having mashed potatoes. Oh, the turkey looks great. Thank you for loving me. Lynn. Thank you for being there. Please. Thank you for loving me. Everyone's thanking. The whole Lynn. world's thanking you. Thanking Stop. us for thanking you. You're going in an yeah. interesting direction, though, because what about the most people see Mothman as more of a creature uh, that would be in the crypto realm, that it wouldn't even be uh, alien or UFO related? Uh, so you don't you discount the creature hypothesis? Well, yeah, because the thing makes no sense, and it is directly associated with UFOs. When Mothman was sighted, as is the case usually with these very bizarre humanoids, UFOs are in direct proximity while these things are being sighted, while they're going about their yeah. activities. So they are UFO-connected. Now, if you want to make the argument that, well, UFOs are some portal to another dimension or whatever, yeah, you can make that argument. But I think the argument is far more solid that these things are machines. The UFOs yeah. are machines, and these things, these creatures that we see, are just androids in Halloween costumes, basically. That's Not Bigfoot, though. What now? Not Bigfoot, though. Oh, well, Bigfoot, yeah, that's a different category altogether. Okay, all right. I can't, I can't have you besmirching Bigfoot on the, on the Thanksgiving special. We'll get run off the no. air. No, I'm not just looking Bigfoot. In fact, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of interested. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in Bigfoot research. I, I was familiar with a lot of the Russian research that was taking place on the Almas, as they were called. Uh, I can't remember the name of the um, particular uh, scientist who was studying those. She was very, very well respected and had a, quite the name. Uh, she was one of the top researchers on Bigfoot in the world, or was. I'm sure she's dead now. Uh, she wrote quite a bit about it. We've had people over here doing the same thing. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think that I'm kind of of the opinion that, yes, Bigfoot does exist, but I can't prove that plainly. It's just an opinion. Um, but, yeah, I, I separate Bigfoot from all of these. Bigfoot is not specifically associated with UFOs. No, uh, I know, I, know. I, was, <laughs> I was really just making kind of a joke. Um yeah, I do think I, I yes, I do. The gravity issue definitely makes me really consider the, uh, yeah, the the occupants as robots uh, theory. I guess you could call it because it does make the most sense, especially like if we. That's how we do things. We send probes yeah. down, and you know, rovers, which are like 
I don't know, kind of close to sort of like a, a, prox, a, a proxy of like a dog or something, like a science, like a science robot dog. That's kind of close right. to what a rover is. And it's like, we're, you right. know, we don't have Android people yet, but if we had Android people, you know we'd be sending the Android people to Mars to walk around on the surface of Mars like as unencumbered. Which is what the so aliens look it. like they're doing here. The grays, yeah, if you look at the grays in particular, and uh, the Hopkinsville goblins are a good case in point too. But the grays in particular, what are the descriptions of these things? Everyone says the same thing about them. They don't appear to breathe. Their mouths don't work. Their eyes don't blink. The size of their eyes would, if they were spherical like our eyes, it would take up their entire skull. Uh, where the hell do they keep a brain? Uh, their size, how the hell do they walk around in our gravity without collapsing? It'd be like walking on the ocean floor for us. Uh, yeah. They don't seem to have any breathing apparatus. They don't seem to breathe at all. They don't speak. Uh, and what are they? How could these things possibly be intelligent? They all look like they were formed out of a mold, quote, unquote. Right. Uh, that's pretty much the description. Well, well let's factory. apply Occam's razor. Occam's razor says the simplest explanation is probably the correct one. They were formed out of a mold. Uh, and if you stop and think about it, uh, if they're automata, if they're probes, they don't need rust relief for recreation facilities, and no one reports ever seeing those on flying saucers or any other kind of UFOs. Uh, they don't need to sleep. They don't need to eat. They don't pass waste. Uh, they'd be self-sterilizing. They could adjust to any different gravity. Uh, and they're completely expendable. They, they relay information. And since they have digits that will work for various activities, they're just advanced probes. They can collect whatever you need. They can even right. accept people and perform surgery on them to a limited exactly. extent. So they're part of the craft, really. That's why so many of them have antennae. The grays don't have visible antennae. Uh, except in the case of Antonio de los Boas, he described basically grays, but they had the three hoses that went out um, from their headpieces into their back. Uh, those three hoses or three antennae you will find on numerous different UFO occupants. Uh, the uh, Pascagoula entities in 1967, for instance, in Mississippi, uh, which were described by people from NASA as looking very much like our own radar technology. Yeah, uh, And the Hopkinsville Goblins had this weird conical nose with a ball on the end of it and these two antennae that stuck out. Uh, they happened to be bulletproof, just by the by. Uh, they were shot at, they were hit, and it flattened the bullets to hit them. Uh, when they were hit, they just kind of fell to the ground and they picked right back up, and they'd float them out away at tremendous speed on, their, uh, speed on their arms and legs, and then jump up into the trees or float up into the trees and wait yeah. for things to calm down before coming back down again. So, yeah, these things do not behave at all biologically. They don't look biologically rational. It's because they're artificial. These things are all artificial, and they've even got consistencies, uh, for instance, in the three antennae, which you find repeatedly coming up. The Voronezh entities had three um, things on the domes on top of their heads and uh, had kind of pincher or clamp hands. Uh, they appear to be artificial. Yeah. Just if you, if you I, look at yeah, them as artificial, they make perfect sense. Yeah, and if people, if it's hard to fathom, you just kind of, I think about, like, if you've seen what they're doing with this meta, which sucks, this Facebook thing, but they're trying to build, like, a virtual reality world and shit. 
Um, and virtual reality is really big. <laughs> like billions. They're, for, they're pouring for, like yeah, billions into it. Um, biggest loss in, in history. Bam. Practically overnight. And things went belly up in no time flat. Yeah, so they're they're trying to build this thing, and and um, but I guess like if you imagine, all it would take is like uh, if you're in the headset and shit and moving your arms around and stuff. All it would take would be for that to be transferred to a robot, and you could send right. that robot like anywhere in space, and you could just sit in your office at NASA or wherever the aliens work, and and. Fucking, you're traveling to Mars in the spaceship as the alien, and it's all quote like real in a sense. It's all like yeah. that's that could be possible. Like I don't see why. I feel like we're we're very close to that almost now. Us. Well, it is what we do. We send robot probes to Mars. They're just not dressed up. They're very primitive looking. If you don't primitive put them in the a hard the only difference with the Grays and the Hopkinsville Goblins is we dress them up to look like something. Yeah. But these things, we, we just send robot probes to other planets. What do they do? They go around, they collect soil samples, they transmit their data back to us. Uh, and if, if they have anything that's able to take off, then they'll take samples and take them off and send them back our way. But the point is, they're robots. And they're completely expendable. Uh, now, obviously, Mars has a, a little bit better budget, plainly. <laughs> And much better technology. Uh, but if you stop and think about it, they've got millions of these things. And if they lose one, you have a crash in Roswell. Oops, one of the things went down. Right. Well, it's already transmitted its information back. And if it hasn't, we just sent another one to pick up the information it didn't transmit. Yeah, exactly. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So, so yeah, it makes perfect sense to me that these things are just artificial. Yeah, I think, it's, I think the robot... Uh, I, I'm very much on board with the robot hypothesis. Um, you know, I think it may be even. I will, in a nod, I, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Like, I, it may even be fucking. There may be some kind of biological aspect to it that makes it work, but like, it's not. I don't know. Maybe that, that's like the missing piece we haven't quite figured out. Uh, <laughs> With with how all this works in a sense, where it's like uh, if the if, if the robot dies, the dude running the robot dies, or something like that. Who knows? But there's this. I wonder that in a way because you hear these stories of like, uh, well, I suppose I don't know. Well, this is an interesting question, right? So let's let's move in a speculative realm even further, I guess. But like, so if in the Roswell crash. Presumably, they would have realized if there were bodies inside that they they were robots. Why do you don't you think that would be more palatable to the public than actual aliens? If they were like, look, there's like some you know some civilization out there sent a thing and it crashed and inside it had two fucking robots that look kind of like insects. Here they are, folks. Take a look at these creepy looking robots. Um, well, let's, you know, let's look at it in another light. If you want to broadcast that, then what you are telling everybody is there is a civilization so advanced beyond ours that they, they don't even robots. have to come here in person to do anything. They can send automata, yeah. extendable automata, to sabotage our nukes, to abduct people, to impregnate them, and to yeah. do all of this. 
mean, that is pretty scary. These guys can yeah, do all of this long equally, distance. Equally never equally have to show up in yeah. They can do it by remote control. Yeah. I mean, I don't know where they come from or anything, so we'd be even more, <laughs> you know, they'd be like, right. yeah, yeah we're not sure where they, they come from to. and when they might be back. And so, yeah. good luck. The Army, at least in the 1950s, the Army was already looking at Mars as a probable source, uh, the probable location where they were coming from. Yeah. It seemed to be kind of the consensus. And interestingly, if you go back, if you really want a gold mine in UFO research, you want to read Jacques Vallée's early journals uh, when he was yeah. working with Simon. Uh, those are worth their weight in gold because Vallée will make all kinds of observations just bluntly and nakedly right in your face, none of which he pursues in his later writings, interestingly enough. But at the time, he and Hynek were both thinking of uh, UFO occupants, because of their biological absurdity, as being artificial. He said, well, it makes a lot of, they were both excited about it, but it makes a great deal of sense, doesn't it? They're just mobile noticing machines, and those were the words they used. And if you look at Hynek's actual definition of a close encounter of the third kind, a close encounter of the third kind is where, quote-unquote, animated figures are witnessed uh, in proximity of a UFO. He doesn't say aliens uses the specific words animated figures. Yeah. Which I find to be very interesting. Yeah, that is kind of a tell. It is interesting. Um well, I guess I I it's I it uh, I guess I'm fr- it's frustrating in a sense where it's like, okay, well, if they're robots, we should be able <laughs> we should be able to outsmart them and someone should have gotten one of these robots by now, but you know, well, uh, I guess not. I mean, I'm sure the government has, but, you know, yeah. I mean, some asshole, like, <laughs> some well, asshole out of the middle of There was a file that got overlooked when, uh, I don't know if it was at Wright-Patterson. I think it was Wright-Patterson. There was a file that got overlooked and someone dug up uh, when they moved a lot of stuff that was USAAF Early Automation. was the name was the, the title on the file. And in it, was a picture of a gray. And by exact description, what amounts to a gray. Now, my guess is they didn't make that. That was what was sent to them from Roswell, and they were busy trying to reverse engineer it and create some for ourselves. Yeah. It was officially in a file regarding automation. Well, it, you know... It'll be interesting to see what comes of all this. Um, you know, it doesn't seem like they're sending as many aliens as they used to, but uh, I don't know if that's just the way the media's changed and it doesn't get out as much or what. But you used to hear about all these old-timey encounters with various creatures and oddities and entities and beings and, you know, Pascagoulas and your goblins and your... Uh, uh, what was the first one, Mothman? Uh, it's like yeah. none of that shit ever happens anymore. It's really disappointing. Oh, I'm sure it still happens. It just doesn't get reported. We're, one thing that, that has to be noted, though, we don't have flaps like that anymore. We still right. see the UFOs, but we don't hear about the occupants. It used to be you'd always hear about the occupants. Right. So, yeah, like, when was the last time you heard a story about a UFO sighting and then, like, a creature got out? and walked around. Like, I follow the news intensely because of my job, and I have not 
seen a story like, yeah, maybe like in the seven years I've been doing this, there's been like one story like that, and it was like in Bolivia or something where it's like almost impossible to to track down. But it's, they're they're few and far between these days, let's say. Yeah, the last I can think of was Borinage, actually. And, I mean, yeah. that was, you know, what, uh, 30 years ago almost. Or, hold on. Yeah, it was 30 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and that, that so it's disappointing. It's disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. Well, we've done an hour of of of, para, of heavy paranormal talk, thick, thick, uh, thick, juicy paranormal talk, like a like a Thanksgiving turkey. So we'll talk a little bit about entertainment now. What are you What are you watching these days? Well, let me think. Mostly I just kind of watch movies and some stuff on Netflix. Um, if I were pointed in a general direction, I'm trying to think if I've seen anything like paranormal or UFO-related. I saw... Uh, well, you're watching all these YouTube videos now. Well, yeah, I, I watch YouTube quite a bit. And Netflix sometimes has some good stuff on it, too. Um, but they're getting better. <laughs> we'll put it that way. Netflix has recognized that woke is killing them because their stocks have dropped too. So they're they're kind of lightening up on the woke shit and starting to put out actual decent entertainment now. Um, but I, one of the things I did find on YouTube, there's uh, uh, one of the uh, found footage things. Uh, there was yeah. one that was called, I think, the Alien Abduction. Now, this was made quite a few years ago. Emmanuel Shrieky was in it. Uh, I didn't even know who she was at the time, but I've come across her name periodically. The point is, she's a name actress. She was actually in this thing. Uh, yeah, from yeah. Years and it's not bad. I mean, it, it gives a suitably frightening uh, rendition of alien abduction. It's kind of like Hopkinsville Goblins on steroids. Uh, it was kind of interesting to watch just from a, a historical perspective. It, it's sort of like homework for me. It's like, well, what have they got right? What have they got wrong? Yeah. Have you you seen Hellier? Uh, No. All right. Well, that's all the rage in the paranormal, in one in one realm of the paranormal these days. In in sort of in the magic, uh, magic creaturey kind of uh, realm. Involves goblins. Has ties to the Kellysville goblins. I rec- I'm, I'm bringing it up because I, I, you should watch this because, like I said, it's, uh, it's got What's it some serious uh, adherence and the uh, hardcore fan base of like people who are obsessed with this show. It's fantastic. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, tip my hat as I have very often to Greg and Dana Newkirk. They, they produced something for the ages with this, with this show. Um, What's it on? It's like it, it's, it's on YouTube. It's free. So go oh. and <laughs> yeah, go oh. and watch that, and then next year, next year when we do Rucks Giving, we'll we'll get your take on Hellier, because um, I'd be very interested yeah, in that yeah. because it's been it's been it's been di- uh, dissected and looked at, and it's uh, it's got a vibrant community of people who are into it. So um, it's quite it's I'll quite uh, a phenomenon, out. really. That's what I'd call it. It's a phenomenon. So yeah, check that out. I'd be really interested to see what you think of it. Yeah, it shows you how to touch on them. I did see the yeah. uh, the latest uh, Stranger Things when that came up. I was quite, I loved it. You liked it, huh? 
Oh yeah. I didn't think I, I thought the I thought it I, I like the third season better. I think the I, I don't know, I just didn't really the fourth season I don't know, the third season was kinda more like a like an homage to like summer blockbuster movies and shit, which is why it came out right. uh, like around July fourth. This one was definitely very Friday the thirteenth y sort of like an homage to horror films, which is fine. Um, but it wasn't on really. Street, I thought. What's that? Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. The villain is very um, much Freddy Krueger. What's that? The villain is very much Freddy Krueger. Yeah, it's. It, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for what it was. I I, I found it compelling. I liked what I really liked is that. They just put out episodes that were as long as they wanted, no matter what. They were not constricted by any sort of broadcast standard. So they were like, all right, this episode is going to be 72 minutes long. And then, like, the next one was, like, 67 minutes long. And then the fucking finale that they – it was, quote, unquote, two episodes, and the fucking total running time was, like, three and a half hours. It was like, no, you're yeah. just putting out a three-and-a-half-hour movie. Like just be yeah. just be honest. Like you're just putting out a three and a half hour movie, and I love it, and I thought it was awesome that they did it that way. So I'm not complaining well, about that. Like, but it was cool. A lot of people complained about it being broken into two parts. You know, the first part and the second part. I didn't because I thought they ended no, the first part in brilliant place to end it. It was practically like ending a season in itself, and then exactly. having an, like a, an extra season after. Exactly, so, a coda. I, I just loved it. Yeah, it was really well done. I, I yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, as far as the sort of overall, I, I'll much like Lost. You're a big Lost fan, right? You were on the Lost cast when we did it. Oh man, well you and I were in that Lost. We were doing the things, uh, speculating about Lost in advance, and yeah, you know, Lost cast. Yeah, when I did over it. And yeah, we were yeah, yeah, yeah. bigger than that. As far as the overarching sort of Stranger Things story. Um, I, I'm gonna. I reserve judgment till they finish the season, um, because uh, I finish the series because I want to see how it all wraps yeah, up. But I yeah. do find, <clears throat> I guess I did like in a sense that it was a change this time. We're gonna spoil things, folks. So if you're if you haven't watched the new season <laughs> of Stranger Things in the last three mo- four months since it came out, you're you know fuck fuck off just. Go watch. Shut off. Shut it off and go watch it over the holiday weekend. What are you? Yeah, what are you doing? Minutes, while while the adults talk, go in the other room yeah. just for a few minutes. Yeah. Go, yeah, go have some more peas. It was very dramatically satisfying. I mean, we do actually have a villain. He does, as far as I'm concerned, he makes sense. Uh, right. They plainly thought right. this out very well in advance, which is something Lost never did. Uh, it, the complaint about Lost is they were literally doing the entire thing on the fly. Right. And they never had a clear direction they were going to go with it. They just kind of, well, here's a bunch of stuff, and it's over now. Yeah, it was it's, I just, yeah, ugh, lost. Yeah. But, it, it, <laughs> but it's why I don't watch a lot of these hour-long dramas, these serial dramas, because it's like, fuck, lost fucked them for, fuck those up for me. Like, <laughs> I have, like, post-traumatic This is why, this is why I never got into Game of Thrones. Everyone right. kept trying to get me into Game of Thrones. I watched the first season, and I thought, you know, it's not bad. Uh, I just... I really didn't have that much interest in continuing to follow up, but I'm glad I did not. Because the the season, yeah, the last season, everyone just you know yelled and screamed and moaned and complained, and their jaws hit the floor. And I knew why. 
they were describing everything, and I didn't have to have seen the show to know exactly what they were complaining about because I had sat through Lost for seven right. years. I said, okay, exactly. now the rest of you know how that feels. <laughs> I'd already exactly. Said, uh, not going to repeat this. We'll just wait to see what happens, and it did the same damn thing. Yeah. So, so with Stranger Things, yeah, I did like how this season ended with the bad guy sort of in control. Because I was getting annoyed because it was like every season they vanquished the bad guy, and then the bad guy comes back, and it's like, okay, so we're going to go through this all again, where it's like, oh, we're all Hopkins is on the brink, and we could fucking be destroyed. And it's like, oh, but then here comes Eleven with her magic powers, and she beats the monster, and... Oh, we're all okay, but uh uh-oh, something bad's going to happen. At least with this one, the villain's plan worked. He fucking, he cracked open the thing. So, you know, we'll see how they they deal with that. We're on the defensive now. This is like one of those UFO things. It's like, it's not undercover now. Now it's out in the open. The entire world is seeing it. It's not just Hawkins. And it's not one of those Buffy the Vampire Slayer things where you can just, you know, shovel dirt over it and people will forget. Now everybody sees it. It's coming out. And, you know, the bad guy is on the ascendant, which I think is an incredible way to end it and and set up the final season. So I'm greatly looking forward to seeing how they wind that up. Well, I'll say this, Bruce. Don't be – don't lose your mind. If uh, you remember when they went in the Upside Down and it was dated to, like, the day that the kid got taken – by the monster guy or whatever, like the upside right. down is like three or four, like from when the series started. Um, I part of me wonders if they're going to end it with like some kind of magical rewind back to that moment, and you'll fucking you'll see them all as kids, and you'll cry and go, "Oh, the journey they've been on," and you know, <laughs> so and that'll be the end of the movie. Like, like, like you don't so have to worry about where they go thing. from here. What's that? But we haven't resolved the goddamn thing. You all feel good, right? Didn't you have a lot of fun with this? And we've resolved nothing. Yeah, it's, it's right. Well, they'll defeat the bad guy. Happen. They'll defeat the bad guy. They'll destroy the Upside Down, and everything will rewind back to before the Upside Down was created. But then she would be stuck in the mental hospital or whatever, and that wouldn't work. So I don't know. This is why I don't write Stranger Things, folks. Um, <laughs> you always have to take it with a grain of salt. Don't get too invested because they could totally fuck it up for you. Right at the that's end. That's the real, yeah. yeah. That's the real. That's the core of the advice. Yeah, don't, don't, don't jump too much on it. I will give a, a big recommendation for a movie for the Thanksgiving holiday, folks. If uh, I watched this movie flying back from Nashville, and I will be honest, I, I was, I was, <laughs> I was gratified and horrified that I was like crying at the conclusion of this movie. It was so. Unexpectedly emotional, um, especially given the movie. Uh, so I highly recommend people check out Marcel the Shell. Uh, it is a, a super strange fucking movie. It's I. It's it. The best way to describe it in like one sentence is it's like a fake documentary about a tiny anthropomorphic shell. Um, and 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 he he's in search of his family essentially, and it is like it is it, it really is just thinking about it. I'm like, oh Jesus! It is an emotional. It's powerful in in a bizarre way where you're like, I cannot believe I'm I'm crying over this movie about this tiny little anthropomorphic shell. But it is it's awesome. It's a fantastic movie, and it's 
it seems like it's for kids, but it's definitely for adults because it's fucking – it's like it deals with all kinds of adult things. So it's like very weird like that. Oh, it's like a kid might watch it, but they wouldn't understand anything that's happening other than the show has a funny voice. Sure, and there are a lot of there are a lot of things that are made for kids that I enjoy watching. I think they're pretty good. I mean, I love Scooby Doo for crying out loud. Um, yeah, I like a lot of family stuff, and I, I'll definitely check out Marcel and I'll check out Hellier. Yeah, those are my recommendations. So, people should uh, Hellier for you. I think uh, most of the, most of my audience has seen Hellier. Um, it's so big, um, but yeah, Marcel the Shell. I saw the Black Phone. Did you see this movie, The Black Phone? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's actually on, that's in my subscription package. I think it's like Paramount Plus. That's part of my subscription package. So, yeah, I get that. Fucking terrible. That yeah, movie was, was yeah, atrocious. I, I, it was <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. It was just grossly overrated. It was everyone just pointless. Everyone told me how incredible it was. And I said, well, here it is. Let's watch. So, well, it's got an incredible mask. I'll give it that. And, the mask uh, was cool, but. Yeah. Too bad it was bad. It was really bad. I don't. I can't even explain how bad. I don't know. It was just made no sense. Like it didn't. They didn't explain how this kid was getting psychic phone calls in the dude's basement. Right. Um, and that that from there it just became fucking like stupid. You know. Unless well, it was. You have, to, they, you have to bear in mind. It's a Joe Hill. You know who Joe Hill is, right? No. Joe Hill is Stephen King's son. Oh, okay. He Literally or, or, or like yeah. symbolic, spiritually? No, his actual son. Oh, oh, wow. Joe Hill is Stephen King's actual son. Uh, he wrote that. Uh, he's also one of the top creative guys. He writes half the stories for Creep Show, uh, which is very hit and miss. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's just kind of stupid. Uh, and he's also the big guiding light. He's one of the co-authors of Lock and Key on Netflix, which is actually a very good show. I like that. It only went three seasons, then it wrapped up, but at least they did wrap it up. I mean, they knew that they were coming to an end, so they concluded the storyline and got it all done. Uh, I liked Lock and Key a lot. Uh, certainly, it's a hell of a lot better than the Black Phone. Um, and Creepshow, eh, sometimes. Some of it's good, some of it's not. But then, yeah, that's all Joe Hill. That's Stephen King's wow. son. I apologize to Stephen King for uh, besmirching his son's black phone movie but it is fucking terrible the story is terrible oh. the movie was well made the story is just makes no fucking sense like it's so yeah. it's so dumb <laughs> it's just so dumb that I, was like that kind of sums it up i kind of felt the same way about it uh it it didn't bother me so much i just kind of thought well what am i really watching here what is this why are we why are we going on this journey um yeah exactly yeah exactly if they were going to go that route i think they would have done better if they just made it a uh Serial killer abduction story. Exactly. Uh, yes, old, thank you. That was the creepiest yeah. part of the fucking movie. The part where you got psychic messages through the phone was like, "What is this? This is so. This is so dumb. This You're is so going stupid. to interrupt your intense drama with yeah. some idiotic psychic shit." Yes, exactly. Yes, that was exactly it. It's like it was spooky for spooky's sake, and it wasn't needed. It was way uh, unnecessary. So, black phone. I give it a thumbs down. All right, so we're heading yeah, towards. Kind of well, I, I wouldn't exactly recommend it. Um, it's not. It's not that bad. It's just what we were saying here. 
it's kind of like, you know, you've got a great serial killer abduction story here that's really intense. It's not something yeah. worthy of Dean Koontz. But it's kind of interrupted by this bullshit that's tossed in on top of it. So yeah. if you can kind of separate the wheat from the chaff and watch watch the movie you want to see in that movie and ignore the rest, then, then it's that's not a so good, bad. That's, that's excellent advice. Excellent advice, yeah. That's the... It's, uh, yeah, yeah, because the kidnapping part was like, holy shit, this is intense, like, what the fuck's going on with this guy and the serial killer, and this kid's now, he's trapped in the basement, and then then, then it's just, <laughs> it's like, it then he completely intense. throws you out of the movie, because you're like, well, wait a minute now, who's, <laughs> what's with the phone, what's with the phone, that's what it should have been called, what's with the phone, so, what's yeah, if you ignore all the what's phone parts. What's all this then? What's the name of the show? What's all this then? Yeah, well, that kind of sums it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're catching on with the modern age now. I remember when we talked to you a few years ago, I was trying to explain to you how streaming Netflix worked. I think you were still doing the DVD. So now you're on all the ser- – what services are you using now? Uh, I Really, I just I just do Netflix and whatever comes in my cable package, <sighs> which, like I said, includes Paramount Plus. Uh, I get to see a lot of stuff on HBO Max, like uh, the Halloween movies. They'll show those. I can still watch that on on HBO Max right now uh, for yeah. free. Or it might be Paramount. Um, but when they when they put stuff out for free and they'll put it up for like a month or two, I can watch those. So I got to see the Halloween movies that way. The, the second one, Halloween Kills, was shit. Uh, the third one I actually liked a lot. Um, I know it, a lot of the fans hated it because it was less Michael Myers, but in that particular soft reboot trilogy, I happen to think they did a very good job concluding it. So I was pretty pleased. The middle one, I just stunk. It was bad. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen a single one of those movies, so I can't comment. <laughs> oh, well, um, that, that, that's my favorite serial killer franchise. It's got just uh, enough. So you saw the new one with Jamie Lee Curtis? Yeah. And how so would you rate that one? Well, it was an entirely unnecessary soft reboot. They really concluded everything with Halloween H2O back in 98. Uh, and they should have left it at that. But, of course, it's still a big How many of these fucking movies have there been? 13, I think, as a matter of fact. Wow. I think it's like 12 or 13, all told. Uh, but they donated the soft reboot because there was still gold in them, Darville. And... The soft reboot, it, it went as a supposedly a sequel just from the first one. But if they're just going off the first one, there were too many logic problems that kept getting in the way with me watching it. I was like, well, look, Jamie Lee Curtis would not be so paranoid and worried about this guy at all because he has literally no reason, even if he escapes captivity, he would have literally no reason to ever come after her. Uh, because he has no connection to her at all. She's just someone yeah. who he didn't kill. That's all. Now, the only way that he would she would be worried about it is if uh, they were brother and sister and he was fixated <laughs> on killing her. That would make her paranoid and terrified. I could see that. But since they nixed that entire part of the storyline, it's like, why is she so concerned about this? And then, uh, after they've gotten her past all the concern and her daughter is killed by Michael Myers, who then disappears, they don't even know where he is, she just, like, you know, completely takes a chill pill and calms down, and now she's not living in this armed fortress. She's just living in a house somewhere. So this doesn't make any sense, guys. Come on. Yeah. 
Wow. You got this fascinating. Yeah, I just looked it up. It's the 13th Halloween movie. It's the most successful yeah. uh, film franchise ever adjusted for uh, inflation. So that's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. I'm actually a big fan of Halloween 3. It was an early UFO movie that no one recognizes as a UFO movie. But, yeah, I'm a big oh, fan yeah. of that one. I'm playing that movie cult. Nice. All right. Yeah, I hear, I've heard it's kind of got a cult following or something like that, that it's controversial or something along those lines, I'm sure. The... Uh, Sure, the movie nerds and the audience are like, but no. But yeah, yeah, I've heard, I've heard it's like, I heard it's like a hot topic of conversation uh, in the Halloween. Well, for, the, for those that slam it, I would say if you watch it with UFO eyes, I mean, if you're as familiar with UFOs as I am, and if you've done a lot of research in it, watch the movie again and tell me what you see. Look at it as like a UFO movie, and you'll get it. Yeah. Well. That's my advice for a lot of films, right? <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, we've gone 90 minutes. I'm starting to run out of steam. I'm out of shape from uh, not doing shows for so long. So what do you got planned for the holiday? What are you doing? I am getting together with my friend in Thornton. Uh, his daughter just moved back from Wisconsin. and We're all good friends. We get along extremely well. So I'm looking forward to having a nice Thanksgiving dinner with them. We're going to have turkey. We're going to have yams. Uh, we're probably nice. going to watch a lot of movies. And stuff on Excellent. YouTube and this other kind of good shit. We're just gonna sounds good. And have a great time. That sounds awesome. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, well, last year we we talked about how I I did the I did the automobiles. I guess you could say part of the trip of Thanksgiving. I drove out to Vermont. It was like a movie. It was like a family comedy. I I can't even. <laughs> begin begin to uh to recap that for folks and th- this year I'm doing the planes version so I, I guess I will say <laughs> from last year, yeah so next year I got to do uh go go somewhere on a train um yep. but I will say I did understand it's it was fun in a way to experience the shittiness of driving on Thanksgiving or the day before Thanksgiving like we went on Wednesday morning we drove to Vermont and it was like this is what they tell you not to do. This is like only assholes drive are <laughs> out there driving uh, at that time of day. So, of uh, time of year, you know, right before the holidays. So this year uh, we're kind of doing it again. We're flying this time out to California. Um, I'm leaving the Saturday before Thanksgiving, so this coming Saturday, which is. I don't know if that's good, bad, or ugly for uh, Thanksgiving travel, but uh, I assume it's going to be busy, and, and we'll see. But And I'll be headed out to California, so spending a week out there, my first real vacation in uh, in a while. So looking forward to it, which is why it took us uh, – it's why we're doing the show tonight, because uh, I'm leaving Saturday, and you're working until Friday at least. So. Yeah, I'm working through Sunday, and then next week I'm free. All the way through Thanksgiving, which is going to be nice. It'll be a nice breather for me because I've been doing a lot of overtime lately. Good. Well, you deserve it. Yeah. And I'll be on vacation, and I deserve that. And so we weren't going to stop everything and uh, and do a Rucksgiving. So, but we managed to pull it off. I'm kind of surprised because uh, for a few hours today, I was like, I don't know. This is <coughs> this is a big commitment here tonight, and I'm just feeling really lazy, and I got a lot to do before this trip, but. I could not disappoint the uh, hardcore but all of America audience. 
who looks forward to this special every year. And uh, it, it wouldn't be the same if we let it go. We have to keep it going. I thought, well, maybe we'll do it after Thanksgiving. But it's like, that doesn't work. We have to do it before Thanksgiving <laughs> so folks can listen to it uh, on Thanksgiving as they're traveling or uh, waiting around for the food to cook. So, I was going to yeah. say the exact same thing, and I came to the exact same conclusion before I did. What's so, that? Yeah, we, we need to do it before. We need to do it before. And now we yeah. have. And now we have. So uh, I can't thank you enough, man. I hope you have a, a safe rest of your year. Uh, I'll try and keep in better touch with you over the course of the year, but it seems like time just goes by so fast that next thing I know it's next November and I'm trying to get a hold of you and we're scheduling another Rucksgiving. So, uh, you know, I'll try to be in better touch uh, this year, and I hope, uh, I hope everything goes well for you. Oh, thank you. You too. Are you on any place that people can find you anymore, or you, you never got on Facebook or any social media, right? Uh, no, there is someone who opened an account in my name, and they actually got my picture. Uh, oh, geez. They, they, it up, they hacked my brother's phone and got it out of there. That is not me. <laughs> I do not have a Facebook account. I don't have a social media presence. So if you happen to see my name on Facebook and uh, someone who looks like me, that's not me. Yikes. You should report that somehow. I don't know how you do that because you yeah, don't I have did. an actual Facebook. Oh, all right. Yeah, um, but I know people wow. who are. They were the ones that called it to my attention. My nephew called it to my attention. He said, uh, did you open a Facebook page? I said, no. He said, well, they've got your picture. I knew exactly where they got it from. So did my brother. So we all reported to Facebook, and they know. But they don't take those things down. They leave them up. Yeah, they don't care. That just adds to their bottom line of a uh, number of users. So it's all a... Social media, it's just a disaster, man. But All right, well, for folks listening who are friends with Bruce Rucks on Facebook, stop sending him nudes because uh, it's just <laughs> some random person. Yeah, send them to my phone. I'll appreciate them more. Exactly. All right. Um, and any news on any republishing of the books or uh, any thoughts on writing another book? Seems you're very You're very excited about Skinwalker Ranch. Have you thought about not necessarily writing about that, but just sort of doing a updated – you know, thoughts on the scene and the situation and the phenomenon book? Actually, that, that hadn't even crossed my mind, but it's something I might get thought to. Um, yeah. The, the real point is I, I haven't found out much more to add to anything that I wrote uh, 25 years ago. Um, right, right. There's a little bit of updating I could do just on Mars probes and things like that, but uh, not enough to, you know, warrant more than an additional chapter maybe. Uh, yeah, now, this yeah. guy that I'm visiting – my friend in Thornton is, like, filthy rich now, and uh, he's always on me to try and get my books out. And he'll ask me, you know, how much does it cost you to get that? And I tell him. He says, I'll take care of that. So quite possibly this year he might go ahead and, and purchase my books back for me and help me get them back out. Yeah, you got to get on that, man. People, uh, I remember when I got Hollywood versus the Aliens, it was like going for a crazy amount on – Amazon. I don't know if it still is or what. Uh, it's probably even oh, more rare now. Correct. But For anyone that is in that position, let me tell you right off the bat, uh, that thing will go up to four or 500 bucks. Either of my books will go up to like four or 500 bucks. I think that's like the top I've seen. When you find them going at that price, just wait. Wait two or three weeks. Keep checking back. They'll go back down again. They'll go back down to a perfectly reasonable price. All right. <clears throat> Well, on that note, Bruce, uh, thank you again for being a part of the tradition. Have a great year, and stay safe out there, and uh, looking forward to catching up with you next year. 
And happy Absolutely. Thanksgiving. Happy of Thanksgiving. Happy, happy Thanksgiving, my friend. All right. Good night. There you go, folks. That was Bruce Rux with the Rux Giving 2022 special. Uh, good times as always. That was a fun conversation. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I we really we just went wherever we went. So it was interesting. I didn't think we we don't usually talk UFOs all that much on uh, on the special. So it was a, a different avenue to go down, but fun because I haven't really talked or thought about this soap opera that's going on right now and. UFO world in, in quite some time. Uh, so what's going on with Benal of America? Let's give you a sort of state of the program uh, address here, what's going on, uh, give you an update on everything. So essentially, the essentially I just got really lazy. I've had a terrible year. I've had a really rough year, unexpectedly bad. Um, I'm fine. I'm in good health. Uh I'm alive. I'm here to celebrate Thanksgiving, so that's good. But I've just been kind of just bummed out. It's been a shitty year. As, any, as I talked about at the beginning of the year, Sir Ralphus, the rabbit, died to start the year as like a bad omen right from the get-go. Um, there have been some highlights, some wonderful highlights, going to Point Pleasant and, uh, and checking out the Mothman stuff um, and just going to West Virginia and seeing Flatwoods and then uh, hanging out in Nashville with my friends at the Strange Realities Conference. Uh, all that's been just fantastic. But, you know, uh, I haven't really felt motivated to do anything as far as uh, podcasting goes. Now, I will say I knew we'd be broadcasting again here in November with Ruxgiving, and that usually kind of does stir me to action. Um, So I think I have been putting together sort of a list. I suppose the best explanation really uh, is that the show itself is just running on such outdated technology and distribution that I am, like, frustrated by that. And that's keeping me from really diving in and sort of getting going. I noticed this when we did the little mini season at the start of the year, it was like there was a lot of phone issues and it was just kinda like, uh, you know, I gotta I gotta drag this program into the into the twenty first century or at least into uh twenty twenty two or at this point twenty twenty three. So and I've made this declaration many, many times over over the years. So it's like, all right, here we go again and all. Um but at this point, it's like I really kind of feel like we have to. So I'm hoping – I've been kind of, sort of kicking the tires around on how to go about doing that. And so, you know, maybe not the next time you hear from me, but probably uh, at some point in the not-too-distant future, I'm hoping that we'll have revamped all that, revamped how we how we produce the program, how we distribute the show – uh, I just got an email from Cyber Ears, who hosts all of our complete fucking archive, which is like 300 shows and plus, at least maybe 400 at this point. I haven't even I haven't counted 15 years worth of programs, folks. 15 years worth of shows um, that they're sh- they're shutting down at the end of the year. So I'm gonna have to fucking take the whole catalog and move it to some other place that can host the catalog. I would talk to some of my podcasting friends to find out where 
they recommend doing that. So that's going to be a whole fucking project. So once part of me thinks it could go two ways. Either I will do all that and be like, fuck, fuck all this. We're just going to stick with the old way. Or I'll, it'll rejuvenate me to uh, really pursue recording these shows in a in a more modern way. I was just talking to Bruce about it, you know, like I, I'll go on like uh, Conspiranormal or something and it's, it's, uh, you're on like you're you're on like TV kind of you're on the little Zoom thing and everything so you know we need to kind of get everything up to up to modern standards I think because the 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 phone connection it's just not working anymore it's just getting too haphazard and I I I think we need to kind of fine tune the operation so that's that's where I'm at really and I think the my reticence to really dive into the the work. And the learning that it will take to do that has kind of left me dragging my feet. But uh, I talked about it a lot with the folks at, at the Strange Realities Conference, and uh, they were very encouraging. That they, they were like, "No, man, you gotta, you gotta do this, that, and the other thing, and you, you gotta. This is how you would do it, and shit." So I think uh, once I set my mind to it, we'll, we'll get it rolling. So that's that's kind of it. Uh, there are a lot of people I want to talk to. There's a big list, and uh, once we sort of get over that hump, I, I imagine we're going to be doing a lot of shows. And I'm hoping, I guess, I'm hoping that if we do re- reboot the, the the technology of, of the show, um, that that will sort of put some wind in my sails to, to do a lot of shows, because I'm hoping that I'll really like the setup and I'll want to do more and more shows. So I think everybody wants that, right? <laughs> so that that would that would be sort of the the aspiration here behind uh, that thinking and where I'm at right now. So uh, I can't promise you anything right now for the future. Although I was thinking tonight, as I was getting ready for tonight's show, that we definitely should do another uh, Banal of America Christmas party. So we're probably going to do that in December. Um, and the year in review with Greg Bishop, but I don't know beyond that what we might have in store for you. But I'm thinking, I'm thinking about it a lot, and I'm thinking about uh, what's next for Banal of America here uh, as we close out 2022 and get ready uh, for 2023. So, with all that said, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you especially if you listened this long uh, with this rambling update on what we're <laughs> we're doing with the program. Um, I really do appreciate it, and hopefully it'll all pay off uh, in the not too distant future. Um, so thank you, folks, and thank you. I know we're catching the real hardcores here—the folks who love Rucks Giving and who have been a part of this for the last 12 years. Think about that, folks. 12 years. There are podcasts out there that haven't been around, uh, you know, three years. So we, we've been just interviewing Bruce Rucks for 12 years. Never mind all the other. Uh, all the other stuff we've we've done here at Banal of America. So, and I know that we're catching all the super hardcore listeners who enjoy the show so much. So, thank you. I hope you all have a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday. If you celebrate, if you don't, enjoy the time off. Um, if you're in another country, uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm sure it's awesome where you are. Uh, sorry you don't have a holiday. Uh, next week, but uh, yeah, so so I think I covered everyone. Um, 
Yeah. So have a wonderful Thanksgiving, everybody. I, I really do appreciate you all very much, and I couldn't, I really couldn't let, uh, I really couldn't let Thanksgiving go by without getting behind the mic at least uh, this time and, and, and rolling out another rush giving for everybody. So I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all have a fantastic uh, holiday and meal and all that. And until next time, this is Tim and all thanking you for listening and signing off.